This ADN Politics Podcast is brought to you by Steam.Coffee, where we source, roast, and present the finest coffees possible. From the Anchorage Daily News, this is ADN Politics, a podcast navigating Alaska's changing and sometimes wild political landscape. I'm your host, Elizabeth Harbaugh. Anchorage's Sullivan Arena is entering its final days as a mass homeless shelter. This week, many of the people staying there were forced to leave. And for many of those people, there isn't anywhere to go. ADN reporters Michelle Terrio-Boots and Emily Goody Kuntz were on the ground talking to people as they made their way out of the Sullivan. So are you going to camp tonight? Um, Put up the tent somewhere? I, I really didn't want to, but I mean, they're, they're giving us no choice, you know? <laughs> Emily and Michelle are here to explain why this is happening and what that means for the months ahead. Emily, Michelle, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, glad to be here. Emily, let's start with you. What led up to the closure of the Sullivan as a mass shelter this time around? Why does it have to shut down? So the Anchorage Assembly last month in April voted to completely close all of the city's cold weather emergency homeless shelters, including the Sullivan Arena, which is the large congregate mass shelter that was sheltering 360 people. That was its max capacity, plus a warming area that at times had more than 150 people in it. Then after some pushback from homeless service providers who were on the ground there um, and saw that there were a large number of very vulnerable people, they pushed back on that and the assembly decided to keep the shelter open through the end of May, but to drop capacity to just 90 people on May 1. A big piece of this is that the city has been funding this emergency winter shelter on its own. Before, when the Sullivan Arena was first opened as a mass shelter, there was this expectation of federal reimbursement because it was open during the COVID-19 pandemic. And that funding reimbursement ended last summer. The 100% reimbursement ended. So there's been a lot of pressure on the assembly to close it and on the administration to find longer-term solutions to homelessness that actually work. The building is not meant to be a shelter. It is far from a good place to have people, but it's been better than nothing for a long time. And the city's been funding it now this winter, largely with money from the alcohol tax. And that money is supposed to go towards homelessness, but it's also supposed to go to other important issues in our community, like preventing domestic violence, early childhood education, things like that. So So it sounds like kind of a range of pressures. Yeah, a range of pressure, exactly. And can you tell us about what kind of people have stayed there over the past few months and who is allowed to stay at least for a little while longer now? So the Sullivan Arena has had people from all walks of life in it. However, it largely has been a place that's sheltered folks with a high number of serious issues that, you know, makes it difficult for them to become stable. They need a lot of support. So people with serious mental health issues, active mental illness, 
folks who have substance misuse issues, a high, high number of people with substance misuse issues. And it's also held a lot of medically vulnerable people. And those are the people who get to stay right now. So that 90 number is folks with mobility issues, medical needs, and people who need help taking care of their daily needs, dressing, showering, eating, things like that. And Michelle and Emily, as we've mentioned, you were both there on Monday as it was shutting down to the majority of people. Um, Michelle, what was it like for you there? Yeah, I got there pretty early in the morning. I think it was about 8.30, and people were walking away from the Sylvan Arena carrying all their belongings in different ways. I saw people with backpacks and sleeping bags on top of the backpack and a tent on top of the sleeping bag. I stopped to talk with a man who was carrying all his belongings in a little wagon cart. And they were just, you know, some of them had a, a, a plan of where they were going to go, but some of them were just literally walking out into the city, uh, casting around for a place to rest. Emily, what did you see? Well, inside the Sullivan Arena on Monday morning, it was pretty quiet. A lot of people had already left. They'd been trickling out over the last couple of weeks, knowing the shelter would be closing. And inside the arena, on the arena floor, there was like a large area set up with donations. People were sorting through, picking out backpacks, blankets, anything that would be helpful to them as they went outside to camp. And Michelle, we reported that this is an unprecedented moment, at least in recent memory, for Anchorage's homelessness policy. Why is that? Yeah, to understand that, you actually have to go back decades. So starting in like the late 70s, early 80s, the main walk-in homeless shelter in Anchorage was Brother Francis Shelter, which was run by a nonprofit. And other nonprofit-run shelters have existed over the years as well. And generally, that's where people would go if they needed to get out of the cold for a night, spend the night, short-term emergency shelter. There were problems with that. Sometimes the Brother Francis Shelter would go over capacity, but there were plans in place. There was always a place a shelter that you could walk in and, and stay, ideally. Then in 2020, when the COVID pandemic hit, um, the city quickly saw that the Brother Francis Shelter was not going to allow for the kind of distancing that was needed. And in an emergency decision, opened the Sullivan Arena as a shelter. And as Emily said, that was funded with some federal money that was also you know related to the COVID pandemic. Now, the Sullivan Arena has endured as the main city shelter. And it has now also put the city in the position of being the entity that's paying for and, you know, through a contractor operating the shelter. So last year, they're, you know, gathering political will to shut the thing down. Last year, they did shut it down and sent people to camp in a sanctioned campground at Centennial Park. That had a lot of problems. Sullivan Arena was opened again for the winter. Now, for the first time ever, with the Sullivan Arena closed, there is no other available walk-in shelter. Every other shelter in town, you you need to, it's either high barrier, meaning there are rules that need to be followed. You might need to be sober to get in. You might need to be willing to engage with a religious component to the shelter's programming, or it's by referral only. So you can't just show up and say, I need a place to stay. So that leaves Anchorage for the first time in decades without a viable walk-in low-barrier shelter, forcing people to camp. So where were people going? 
Well, I talked to one gentleman who, the guy who was lugging his belongings in the wagon, who was from California. He had come to Alaska, he said, to work and on kind of a spiritual journey. And he said that he was planning on going to a specific bus shelter in the Spinard area because he felt like it had some favorable conditions for him to stay there. Me, I'm probably going to have to sleep on a bus bench tonight while, while the, uh, like somewhere around 12 o'clock. Because yeah. I was here last time, and the officer said, "An officer said, a uh, trooper yeah. said, you can sleep at the bus bench yeah. only while not an hour's operation." There were other people that we encountered who had kind of set up their tents very near the Sullivan Arena along the Chester Creek Trail, uh, a large encampment by the Ben Boki, and. We talked to a woman who said, yeah, people are going to the Cuddy, some, um, the Cuddy Park in Midtown. Some people are going back to Centennial Park. Some people are camping along the Chester Creek Trail. People were just trying to find anywhere that wasn't muddy and snowy. So people were getting creative. And I, we saw tents, you know, right uh, almost up on the sidewalk because there there really is nowhere great to camp right now because the the ground is so wet and snowy. So people were were kind of just moving into anywhere they could. Emily, anything to add there? Yeah, I talked to quite a few people who were leaving the Sullivan Arena. I talked to one man, Eric Travis Clark, and he was, you know, going through the donations, picking some things out. He loaded everything up onto a luggage roller carrier. And he said he had no destination. He did not know where to go. He didn't want to camp. The service providers were getting people lift rides to places that they chose. That money for the lift rides came from a community donor. And Folks were, like Michelle said, going to Cuddy Park, to Davis Park, where these large encampments have already been established. Some folks were getting rides over to Brother Francis Shelter if they had a bed there. There were folks going to the Gospel Rescue Mission on Tudor, and one gentleman needed a ride to the emergency room, um, and he was planning to camp with some friends nearby in Valley of the Moon after he got out. I talked to one gentleman, you know, as I was standing around, it's afternoon, which is the time when the the shelter was scheduled to close to all but the 90 people who got to stay. He was standing outside and he said, hey, excuse me, can you help me? I I don't know where to go. I, I don't have a tent. I don't have gear. I've never camped before. He was really, really scared. And um, he eventually got a ride to his mom's house over by Rabbit Creek. That's where he said he was going. It was a really tough scene, and there was a woman with severe mental illness just standing on a sidewalk near Sullivan Arena. I went up and asked her where she was going. She had a big cardboard box of belongings and and some bags, and she said she was going to walk across town to the Brother Francis shelter. I don't know whether or not she had a, a bed there waiting for her, but that's where she was headed. So we have all these people just kind of proliferating out wherever. Michelle, what does this mean for the broader Anchorage community in the coming months? The city and the police department can't clear camps legally because of a Ninth Circuit ruling that says you can't demolish people's encampments 
if there is no alternative shelter available. And this summer, there is no alternative shelter available. So those camps, wherever people end up staying, wherever they choose to make a camp, those camps will probably stay. Now, my understanding is the police have said they're going to work with campers to try to keep things clean, and the city wants to work with campers, the Parks Department, to try to keep our green spaces, you know, to help with cleanup. But ultimately, people will be allowed to camp in what would normally be illegal places to camp. And so I think what you're going to see is more people camping in probably new areas that we're not familiar with seeing people camping in our city. And that might also include, you know, sidewalks and parking lots. I think you're going to see a lot more of that because there is simply no place for some of these folks to go. And Emily, what are the numbers like? How many people are we talking about who are going to be living in Anchorage's green spaces and streets in the coming months? Sure. It's it's hard to know exactly how many people are unsheltered in Anchorage, but folks who are doing outreach, who are talking to these folks regularly, they can come up with some estimates. And the executive director of the Anchorage Coalition to End Homelessness last month gave the assembly an estimate that there were already about 300 people probably, give or take, living unsheltered. That means in a place not meant for human habitation, could be a car, could be a tent in the woods, could be just sleeping on a sidewalk. With the number of people who were using the city's emergency shelters, including the Sullivan Arena and hotel rooms and the Alex and Aviator hotels, there were more than 600 people sleeping in shelter, city shelters. And some of those folks have gone into housing. Some have what the health department calls self-resolved, so found a place to stay with a friend or gotten an apartment or gone into a program. With that number of people, the health department said we're looking at an additional 300 to 400 people, so more than double. So 600, 700, thereabouts. Well, let's take a break there. When we're back, we'll talk more about what is ahead. At Steam.Coffee, we're proud to support great journalism, and we're proud of our pursuit of great coffee. We search the world for the finest raw materials and then roast them to perfection at our Anchorage headquarters. All with one thing in mind, the finest coffee possible in your cup. Come visit us at either of our Anchorage cafes or online at steamdot.com. We're back with ADN Politics talking to reporters Michelle Terrio-Boots and Emily Goodykuntz. Emily, as you talk with homeless service providers, the people working with this population that's now being turned out in the streets, what is their take on the current situation? So there's pretty broad agreement that Anchorage needs some type of low barrier year-round shelter, whether that's one shelter or several smaller shelters. And also broadly, homelessness experts agree that smaller shelters targeted to specific populations, people with similar needs, that's just better one for the community because a smaller shelter has less impact and also because it's better for the homeless clients who need the shelter. There's also broad agreement that Anchorage is in a low-income housing crisis. We need thousands of units for people, including just regular low-income rentable units and supportive housing. There's not quite so much agreement on exactly how to get there. And I think there's also a lot of frustration 
because we've seen a lot of this back and forth, a lot of political disagreements between the assembly and the administration on how to come to solutions. And it's been a lot of spinning wheels and getting nowhere people feel. And it's also just really difficult for the providers on the ground to, you know, see the people that they have relationships with, that they talk to every day, be turned out into the streets. Monday was a really difficult day for not just the homeless clients with nowhere to go, but also for the service providers. So Kathleen McLaughlin, who is the CEO of Restorative Reentry Services, um, the third-party agency the Assembly contracted with to kind of help with the shelter drawdown and do some oversight of its emergency shelters, um, it was a really hard day for her. It, we're doing it orderly. Mm -hmm. We're doing it orderly, but this isn't a win for our community. Emily, this is not the first time Anchorage has shut down the Sullivan as a mass shelter. Last year, the city did so, but it had a different plan. It relocated many of those people from Sullivan to a campground, Centennial Campground in East Anchorage. Why did we not do that this year? So last June, the Bronson administration decided to kind of abruptly shut down Sullivan Arena and move people to this campground. And it took them there on small city buses and dropped them off there. And there were very few resources. It did not really provide much. There were bathrooms and showers. They got small tents, but there was no services provided there that you would see at a shelter. And they directed hundreds of homeless people there. That was really problematic for a huge number of safety reasons. Bears were raiding campsites. There was a lot of substance misuse, drugs and alcohol, predatory behavior, putting a lot of vulnerable people at risk. And the Anchorage Assembly, you know, several members called it a humanitarian crisis. And the Anchorage Coalition to End Homelessness didn't want to send outreach workers there because they were so concerned with safety. And it did not go well. So there was a lot of concern with the idea of setting up another sanctioned camp and concentrating so many people in one campground. It would not be safe, a lot of people said, and it would be better to let people disperse and go where they want to go in the groups they want to be with and to keep themselves safer that way and to, you know, bring resources to them where they are through outreach and, you know, housing focused outreach and navigation on the streets. Michelle, do you have anything to add there? I do. You know, some people have the perspective that it's also just a pure failure of the city, the assembly, of all the p players involved to come up with a plan, a better plan. You know, so after the summer of Centennial, which went badly, the temperature dropped predictably. And in kind of an emergency mode, you know, they moved people back into the Sullivan, which they really didn't want to do, but they did. And various other, I think, shelter concepts have just been met with fierce resistance and yes. have kind of been DOA. And now we get to the point where it's getting warm again. Um, the money sounds like has run out. And this time they're just closing the Sullivan with no alternate plan 
in sight. So, you know, I think there's a lot of people who just see this as a political failure as well that's led to this. Also, with a limited resources, limited money, they really do want to be directing that towards longer-term solutions, right? So finding a place for year-round shelter and... Like the Sullivan has become a crutch that they have decided to no longer lean on, but there's not a viable alternative Mm -hmm. yet. And by removing that crutch, it forces the city to, you know, really pursue these alternative solutions at a much quicker pace, or so the thinking goes. At least that's the hope. Yes. And something we should acknowledge is there are groups in Anchorage that are working very hard to house people and get them out of homelessness, and progress has been made in this front. More recently, uh, the city announced that the Golden Lion, this former hotel, is getting ready to open, even though it's been this total political hot potato for years. Emily, can you just quickly catch us up on what is happening there? Sure. So the city purchased the Golden Lion Hotel in Midtown under a previous mayor. And our current mayor, Mayor Dave Bronson, you know, a big part of his campaign was grew out of this, you know, resistance to that homelessness plan. A lot of people in those neighborhoods did not want their buildings near their homes and schools to be used for homelessness services. So, you know, he promised on the campaign trail not to turn the Golden Line into the substance misuse treatment center that the city purchased it with the intention of turning it into this center. And the Bronson administration and assembly you know, fought over this back and forth for the last couple of years. And it, it sat empty, you know, it sat empty while there were people turned out to Centennial Campground. And there was a lot of community frustration around that, too. The city had this empty building. So the pressure kind of grew on the Bronson administration to do something with this. And as this pressure has grown, they've kind of come to a compromise. And he's the mayor's agreed to turn it into low-income housing. So it'll be like a, a rooming house. And the city has been directing money towards these types of hotel conversions as a solution to bring quickly more low-income housing units online. So that's what this will be. They've said it will be open by the end of June and possibly much sooner. And isn't there also a new navigation center, Michelle? Yeah, there's a new navigation center that's down in the Ship Creek area next to the Brother Francis Shelter, and that's a really nice space where people can come and take a shower, get cleaned up, get a snack, and, you know, access all kinds of different um, agencies and organizations and caseworkers that can help them get an ID or get an application. But it's not a day shelter. It's not a shelter really in any way. And I think that the other thing to say here is that pre-pandemic, the city took a really limited almost non-existent role in homelessness services. It really was limited to some funding of what nonprofits were doing. And now the city, for better or worse, is actively very a major active stakeholder in a lot of plans. And that's just like a paradigm shift that happened, and I don't think it's going back. Yeah, yeah. And and we've seen the city actually be pretty successful in, in standing up some new models like these hotel conversions, the guest house in North Anchorage, a couple other hotels it is funded the purchase of in Spinard. Those are coming online. I think one is already housing people and another's 
should be housing folks by fall, and then the Golden Lion. So there's progress there. They also purchased the former Sockeye Inn, and that's now turned into a complex care facility. You know, it's a shelter for people with high medical needs. And so there are these like moments and pockets of progress, but the the, the scale of the issue is is so large that we just need more. Yeah. And it seems like the the hardest piece to solve is just this low barrier. Mm-hmm. We take all comers uh, shelter. And that, you know, is likely because those are difficult to manage well and they have a lot of impacts on neighborhoods. And but they're also essential. Michelle, there's reporting you've been working on now that I want to ask about as we wrap up here. For years now, you've tracked outdoor deaths as people believed to be homeless who have died outside in Anchorage. What have you learned about that recently? I've learned that in April, there were six people in Anchorage who died outdoors, believed to be homeless. And that would be the most ever in a single month in the time period that the ADN has been tracking this, which goes back to 2017. So that's significant. And, you know, we don't know what those people died from. We know a few of the facts of the circumstances where they were found. We don't know what it, what it's related to, but it's a high number and, you know, represents a lot of human suffering and tragedy. I want to wrap up with a question that's been kind of burning in the back of my head this whole conversation. We've been talking about Sullivan's closure with some finality. Um, Emily, I feel like I should finish by asking you, is there a chance that the Sullivan Arena reopens as a shelter for homeless clients once again? The Anchorage Assembly, the Bronson administration say no, that this is the end of Sullivan Arena as a mass shelter. But that, you know, of course, remains to be seen. If we end up in the same situation we were last year with no alternative shelter in place, they'll have to come up with a different place to shelter people for the winter. You know, it's required by city law that Anchorage open emergency winter shelter when the weather drops to 45 degrees. So we'll see. Well, let's end there. Emily, Michelle, thank you for your reporting. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for listening to ADN Politics. You can subscribe to the show in whichever podcast app you're listening to right now. You can keep up with the rest of our coverage on ADN.com. And you can subscribe to ADN there, which is the best way to support our work, including this show. Thanks to our guests today, ADN reporters Emily Goodykunz and Michelle Terrio-Boots. This episode was produced by Evan Phillips and Zachariah Hughes. Evan Phillips makes our music. David Hewlin is our editor. And I'm your host, Elizabeth Harbaugh. See you next time. Thanks for listening. This episode of ADN Politics was brought to you by Steam.Coffee, where we source, roast, and present the finest coffees possible.